0: Today, we have another special guest that joins the pod, David Gull, a tech entrepreneur, licensed architect, and visionary creator who thrives on the art of designing and building innovative products. Currently serving as the co-founder and CEO of Ogimi, the pioneering AI meditation coach, David is driven by a profound mission. His goal is is to positively impact the lives of one billion individuals by addressing their mental health needs through highly personalized daily meditation practices. Having experienced the transformative power of meditation firsthand, David embarked on this journey 15 years ago when he faced burnout early in his architecture career, recognizing the profound impact it had on his well-being. He is now dedicated to empowering others to cultivate and deepen their own meditation practices, encouraging them to explore the depths of their inner worlds. By doing so, David aspires to leave a lasting imprint, making the world a better place for all. David and I dive into what led to the inception of Ogimi, The power of meditation and getting back in touch with our inner self and learning to listen to it, avoiding falling trapped to the sunk cost fallacy, starting to recognize our patterns and understand what's driving them. His vision behind the integration of AI with meditation practices, how AI will impact the mental health space, exploring the factors behind the recent emphasis on mental health, Reframing AI and learning to leverage it to our benefit, how AI will impact our broader world, and finally, putting our health first and setting commitments to ensuring our health is priority number one. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Want to make a podcast? I'm pumped that we're here, but why don't you uh, kick us off? What led to the inception of Ogimi? What kind of gave you that spark of energy to say, what I'm doing today is just not working for me? And you obviously have a lot of purpose and passion behind the business. So bring us into your world. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So just for quick framing, Ogimi is the first AI guided meditation coach. And what that means is that every meditation on the platform is created in real time just for that user based on their individual needs, their journey, their meditation practice, their preferences, their favorite music, their favorite voice. And so it's essentially personalized guided meditation. It's the equivalent of having a meditation coach in your pocket, right? But without having to hire someone for a hundred dollars an hour, schedule a meeting with them once a day or once a week or for eight weeks, right? All the problems that come with having to have a one-on-one coach. And so the origin of it for me is actually 15 years ago. I was... Early in my career, I was an architect. And I don't know if you know much about that profession, but it's high intensity, super long hours, 60 to 80 hour weeks, not a lot of pay. And you're often pulling all nighters. And so within one year of that, I hit burnout. So I'm sure that everyone listening to this has had some point in their life where they hit a valley, you know, whether it was work stress, relationships family issues, you know, friends, all of the things that we come across in life. And so for me, that was really the first palpable time where I hit a, a floor, you know, and it was, again, one year into, into this career, I took a vacation from New York to LA to visit my brother and ended up sleeping 12 hours a night, realizing that I was just playing catch up. And uh, it took stepping away from the day to day to realize like the, the place that I was. I also had, you know, a picture of me on the beach. I was gaining weight my body was achy and so it was a wake-up call and you know i checked in with some people and said well certainly i can't do this for another 40 years (laughs) something has to change and so everyone said kind of you know how are you eating not so well are you working out no and what are you doing for your mental health nothing right so i flew back from this vacation i started going to the gym three times a week i started the paleo diet and i started a meditation practice and so that was 15 years ago And it's been deeply meaningful to me since it's kept me grounded, focused and sane through what ended up being another five years of that architecture career. And then two startups, which I'm sure, you know, people also know startups are, are not exactly low intensity, right? So it's, again, it's just been something that I've done consistently throughout the last 15 years. That's really helped me personally. And so four years into my last startup, I had another mini crisis and this one was more existential. It was a wake up call that I felt like the work that I was doing wasn't meaningful or purposeful in the world. And so call it kind of an existential crisis. Why am I here? What am I doing with my life? And I actually uh, was at a conference when I had this realization, I was exhibiting at a booth at a real estate conference. And it was a strong enough realization that I left early. I paid to be there. But I couldn't stay. And I flew home and I called a business broker and I said, I need to sell this business and do something more meaningful and purposeful with my life. So I spent the next year selling that business. And along the way, I just did a lot of reflecting in, of course, in meditation as well. What do I want to do in this world? And I kept coming back to if I can help other people create and sustain this habit that I know has been so helpful to me, I will have made the world. better place so that's how we got here today
0: yeah very very admirable it's funny i you know growing up my neighbors actually owned an architecture company they had a a beautiful house but they looked stressed constantly and they were barely home when they were home they looked extremely stressed and i never realized just because i hadn't given it much thought how challenging that world was i'm curious what originally brought you or attracted you to architecture?
1: Yeah, so I'm a very creative person. And I'm also a technical person. And I, I think in an almost hilarious way, it's like the perfect combination of my parents. So my dad was a, uh, an electrical engineer and a software engineer. And my mom was an artist. And, you know, to listen to the two of them in conversation, <laughs> at complete opposite ends of appreciation for different things. So <laughs> somehow I ended up perfectly in the middle. And I, I do think that Architecture is a beautiful combination of those two things, you know, creativity and what you can do to make something beautiful and visually stimulating and exciting and also practical enough to be built. And so I do think it was a, a really brilliant combination of, you know, my personal gifts. The thing that I kept coming, rubbing up against, though, was the more more just the corporate world and the practice that actually goes into implementing it. The, I guess I'll call it the brutal realities of that. And so personally, I think, you know, it just didn't align with what I wanted with my career at the time. I do still have dreams of being and practicing architecture more for myself and then also to build personal wellness retreats and and that sort of thing. But as my own client, where I'm a little bit more in control of the the financial side of things and, and those realities as well.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny when, when I was a kid, I constantly doodled. I had a, a sketchbook. And I was constantly drawing in it. It didn't matter if it was a picture of a basketball, a car, whatever it was. And I also have, my wife likes to bring it up every now and again, a little invention book. I remember it having like a, a old plane on the front of it. It was yellow. And I used to just write down ideas that I had. And when I got into high school, I knew that I wanted to do graphic design. And I knew that I wanted to do that going into college. And I just thought it was because of this creativity interest that was like kind of a magnet for me. And I think, you know, ask anyone, oh, hey, what do you want to do for the rest of your life when you're 18 years old? Nobody, nobody fucking knows. Nobody, a majority of people don't know, 98.9% of people. And I think we get kind of sucked into this idea of not diving deeper into what it was about it. So for me, I just thought surface level, I liked creativity. I liked art. What what businesses kind of surround that world? And so graphic design was the avenue that I thought, you know, was kind of fitting. But what I do, creating podcasts, creating the newsletter, doing all of these things, that is my form, that is my art. While it's not pencil to paper, it's still an outlet for me to get out my creativity and still enjoy those things that I enjoyed as a child. And I think we fall trapped to this idea, this corporate world that you're talking about. And then how does this purpose, passion, excitement thing that drives us or magnetize us, how does that then fit in there? And we get kind of pigeon into this tight little corridor when it's like, well, it's probably much bigger than that, what you actually enjoy doing. And so spend some time reflecting and figuring out what that thing is, because it could blossom into something completely different that you had not imagined prior.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, just to, to tie the thread back to meditation, the practice of meditation is a really good way to get in touch with what's really going on inside of you. And so, you know, there that you could spend a month in meditation just getting in touch with what is my creativity and what what sparks joy for me and what excites me. And then how could I bring that into the world in a place that, you know, builds value for other people and, and connects me to other people as well. So yeah, for me, it was, it's been a journey. And I think for most people, it is a journey of just exploring and trying to find what's that overlap, the sort of ikigai, right, of what I'm passionate about, what I'm creative about, how I can add value to the world, and what people are willing to pay for. And I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful thing when people are able to go through, that journey and you know for me and and maybe this will resonate with people out there there's a lot of a lot of courage that it takes to move from something that you've invested a lot of time in for me it was my architecture education 5 years in in college and then 6 years to get my license and i literally left architecture a month after i got my license you know for me it was kind of a closing of a chapter and it was really facing uh, facing a lot of fears that that maybe i was making a mistake but listening to that inner voice that I knew that there was something different and something greater for me.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's the similar experience that gamblers actually have, right? They commit a bunch of money, they lose a bunch of money, and they say, well, maybe I'll catch my lecky break because I've already put $1,000, $10,000 into it, so I can't turn back now. Or... Same idea with maybe a company that hasn't worked. And you're like, well, I've already committed X amount of dollars in X amount of years. And then finally, a third example is in relationships that just aren't working out. And you're like, well, I've already been in it three years or four years, so I've already committed. And if I change and shift or step out of the relationship or you know, shut down the company or whatever, I've lost all that time. And I think that is such a dangerous mindset for us to have. Because of the time we've put in, we're then somehow justifying in our minds that, well, I'm going to commit even more time because I don't want to lose the four years. Okay, so we're going to commit another six years, another 10 years? That doesn't seem fair to us. And that definitely isn't self-care. And I think a lot of us get trapped in that, even in our career, staying at a job that we despise. How many people are working somewhere where they don't enjoy it because, to your point in your experience, they're burnt out? right? And this is this kind of, I don't know, riptide that we all kind of fall trapped to. But when we can break out of it, to your experience, it's extremely rewarding long-term and a lot more beneficial to our mental health and our physical health long-term.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's like the sunk cost fallacy, right, that you're referring to. And, and it can be one of the hardest things to get out of. it. And, you know, again, to, for, for us, one of the things that we want to help support people with is getting in touch with what's going on within themselves and recognizing the reality of it, right? So are, are you truly happy? Are you truly satisfied? If not, what can we do about it? Is there something you can shift internally that you can work on that will make the job or the relationship or the career that you've chosen more fulfilling for you? Or do you need to make that big change and, and kind of Try something new. So, rather than stick with something that's not working for you, you know, give give another shot. So, that's the that's the level of attention and support that we want to help people with in their in their inner journey. So, you know, again, to what we're doing a little bit differently and and why it's helpful is something uh, existing meditation apps like Headspace or Calm are these giant content libraries of generic meditations. When they're recorded, they're created for the masses. They have to somehow kind of sort of resonate with anyone. And what gets lost in that is any aspect of relating to your personal journey. right? And so what we're doing differently is being like your one-on-one coach, your one-on-one meditation coach that can help you with your specific problems, your specific journey, where you are in your life, and what you need help with. And so that's, that's where I think we have something truly powerful. Think of it a little bit more like having a all-knowing meditation coach on speed dial, right? And you don't have to pay them $100 a session. You don't have to schedule it with them a week in advance. It's there constantly for you. And so everyone has issues, right? Everyone has problems. We all need help every day. One of the loneliest feelings can be not getting the support you need in the moment, right? And so helping people get in touch with What am I struggling with right now? What issue am I facing? I'm procrastinating. Why am I procrastinating? I'm nervous. Why am I nervous? I'm fearful. And then having someone kind of coach you through getting in touch with what's going on, helping you move through it, helping you process it is the kind of power of what we're able to provide with Ogini.
0: So I'm curious. So in those moments where we're procrastinating or we're struggling, one of the hardest things is stepping outside of that moment, right, to actually address what's going on or reflect on what's going on or pause, right? How are you guys able to kind of pull people out of it right i believe you guys are a chrome extension so access wise it's pretty easy for people to if they're overwhelmed and they're working they're sitting at their computer which we spend a significant amount of time on most of us are are you guys able to help that process of pulling someone out of that moment to kind of get them to that meditation state like walk us through that
1: yeah. And so, and so, yeah, we, our Chrome extension will also be a mobile app as well. So basically what we encourage people to do is to just recognize, start recognizing their patterns. Anytime they're stuck in something or struggling with something to turn to Ogimi for help. And really it should just be like, Hey, here's what's going Again, it's like calling a coach. Hey, I'm struggling right now with procrastination. I have this project that I need to work on but I can't seem to focus on it, right? And we will generate a meditation that helps you look at that and dive deeper into why that might be happening. Finding the why is really the important part, yeah, right? Yeah, the
0: root, right. Yeah, the
1: root cause. And so we're able to, you know, th- walk you through that process, get you in touch with what's going on with yourself. And then once you've got the root, then then the solution really is is almost easy. I don't want to say easy, but it starts to co- become more obvious and, uh, and help you move forward.
0: There's a lot of people out there that are hesitant about coaching or speaking to someone, therapy, right, for example, because it's another human being. And we think everybody judges everybody and walks around and the whole world's looking at us and so on and so forth. Do you think that AI in the mental health space will be have a better perception or adoption, I should say, because the consumer on the other end that's struggling is probably more likely if you pulled a study of like ten five thousand people ten thousand people they're probably more likely to express themselves or be honest with what they're going through because they're not actually dealing with a real human being on the other side so therefore they assume this person isn't judging me and can actually this thing can actually help me through what i'm going through
1: yes absolutely totally believe that that will be true that there is a an inherent human desire to be liked to be not judged to not look bad right i do believe that that keeps people from revealing their true selves revealing what they're really going for and if they can do that then they'll get the help that they really need and deserve so think of it kind of like the mix between your journal and a coach that doesn't judge you right and really revealing, I think, will be very impactful for people. I I was speaking to another AI company that helps people with just like, as a concierge for hotels. And he said people are, people are very open about their own stuff when it's AI and when they know that it's not a human. So it's sort of already been validated at scale in another industry.
0: Hmm. I wonder if that will also create a habit of people just generally. All right. So there's that piece of it. But over time, what does that do to the human behavior? And what I mean by that is, are we therefore more willing to be vulnerable in general because that has now become the norm? Because AI is now everywhere. I mean, it's there are a lot of companies in the AI space and it's growing rapidly. It's not going to slow down. It's going to keep on growing fast. I'm curious your perspective or your opinion on this. Does that change our behavior in a way where, because now that is the practice, right, we feel a little more comfortable being vulnerable or being open. Yes, the initial is, oh man, this is a human versus a computer. I'm more likely to be expressive and open up to the computer. But even the lines get blurred over time where now you're just a vulnerable person and you're open about your life because it's become somewhat the norm for you.
1: I think so. And I think we're, we're seeing in a very positive way a big shift around mental health conversation, right? The willingness for people to admit that they're struggling. And to be open about it and even use the term mental health issues or stress or depression or anxiety. And I think that this will help that groundswell continue to to grow. And we see the power of vulnerability, right? It's something that when, when you are willing to go there and it's received in a safe way, it's very impactful for both people right it can it can help the person that's on the receiving end of the vulnerability and it can help them help you and you know that's been a huge part of my own personal journey is is really learning to open up to people and to get their support and you know i think it's made me a better person and it's helped me help other people as well so i'm I'm very optimistic
0: about that i couldn't agree with you more this is definitely mental health is becoming a bigger conversation what do you think kicked that off, right? Is it a generational thing? Is it because people are kind of at the breaking point? Is it because we're so overstimulated? I know it's a, a culmination of things, but if we were to boil it down from your perspective, what do you think is really driving that healthy agenda finally?
1: Yeah, my instinct is that it's the, the platform probably of the internet and social media and the sort of sharing that happens there and people that have led from the front in that regard and really been willing to put their messiness and their and their life into the public domain where people go oh like me too i'm also struggling with that or you know i've also had a friend go through that and i didn't understand that that's what they were going through so just that public aspect of the internet i think has been super powerful and when you think about just to to tie it back to ai AI would not have been possible without the internet, right? The internet became this place where people were posting all of their knowledge, all of their thoughts, all of their struggles, all of their wisdom. And that's really what we're trying to help people understand about AI is it's the collective human intelligence and wisdom from the last 2000 years of all of documented human history, right? AI is not a machine. It's our human intelligence that's been aggregated by a machine and so when you're using it in the context of Ogimi, for example you're getting all of that collective meditation wisdom that all of these teachers all of these people that have created these guided meditations have built and now you're just aggregating it in a way that's able to help me now redirect that knowledge to help you specifically scott with whatever you might be struggling with right
0: yeah, the, the power I think of AI, I think there's a lot more upside than there is downside with AI. I, I feel, and listen, the news is generally negative to begin with. That's why it's never on our house. But a lot of people fear AI. A lot of people, uh, there's a lot of conversation around open AI, right? And it was the fastest growing app in history. It did within a month what, you know, Instagram or Facebook did in like six months or something like that. I don't have the the facts right in front of me. But what would you say to those people that are like, I am so against AI? I'm fearful of it. And I know uh, the natural human tendency is to fear what we don't understand. And Technology or advancement in technology has always been met with great resistance throughout history, whether it be the automobile, whether it be aircraft, whether it be the internet, and now it's AI or the smartphone, right? What would you say to those people that are abrasive to something that could do a lot of good for the human species?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I'd reiterate the framing that AI is the collective knowledge of human intelligence and wisdom. And then I would say, start to use it in a way that benefits you and forget that you're using AI. Just look at how helpful it can be. So, you know, obviously a self plug, come on and use Ogimi and let us know what you need help with. And the truth is you don't need to know that it's AI behind our product. All you need to know is that feeling of, hey, I just asked for help and I received it immediately, right? And so, you know, it should feel almost as if instead of speaking with AI, you just picked up your phone, you called your friend who's a meditation or a mindset coach. They care about you. They want to help. They spend 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes with you and you feel cared for, right? And so it's much less about the technology and much more about what you got help with, what you needed and how you felt supported, right? And so it's not a huge stretch from using Google where you go, hey, there's something I need help with. There's something I want to learn. There's something I need to find. Type it in, get your result. And that's really what we're doing. It's just that in this case, it's helping you more with your mindset, your mentality, your emotional issues, your mental health, than with something kind of factual or or you know needs driven.
0: Mm, that's a good perspective to to kind of place on that. It's it's interesting when you look back, right? The internet isn't that old. That's what like thirty six years old or something like that. Thirty five. It's it's relatively young in the especially in the grand scheme of human civilization. But it's funny we had internet of human beings needing to put the information in there, whether it be from books to whether it be through how-tos or you name it. There's the aggregation or collection of a lot of what you were saying earlier, human intelligence that was put into, metaphorically speaking, a big black box. And now all of that information has been collected for so long over those 30-something years, but also about humans 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, and so forth. And now we are at this point in human civilization where we are creating things that allow us as human beings to sift through that information and only get the best pieces of information with the specific intention that we have in mind. Now, with that being said, I think that it frees up the human species to actually focus on the shit that matters. Because- A lot of what we have and a lot of the tools that we have are phenomenal, and I leverage a lot of them, whether it be you know Asana or whether it be Google or different Chrome extensions too as well. But I think there's been this double-edged sword, and that it's created a lot of things, and we as human beings have been the bridge between those things. So we've got to navigate to multiple tabs, we've got to still fish for the information, we've got to do a lot of this kind of what I would call micro work, busy work, and I don't think when you look at the human, the chance of us being born, whether you believe in a greater power or, you know, religion, I do not. And I find it very hard to believe that we are supposed to be spending our time dealing with those micro moments. And I'm not saying micro moments like enjoying what's going on and being present. No, I mean that busy work. I find it very, very hard to believe that any of us would want to spend our time doing those things that a machine could actually be doing. And I think when we have got some of these AI tools down and they've become more integrated into our society, that we then are freed up from doing all that busy work to actually engage in more impactful things in our life and let the, the clicking and the typing and the navigating, give it to AI. I have zero problem around that. It frees up time and time is our most valuable asset. We don't get more of it back. And I think that AI has created a way for the human species to buy back time. And if you frame it that way, man, that gets me really excited.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's the highest and best use, right? You know, I I totally agree. We are incredible, magical, you know, creatures, whatever, however you want to characterize us. And a lot of our lives has been spent on this rote manual work that, that no longer has to be the case. So I think of this as 10Xing someone's ability to be creative. Someone's 10Xing someone's ability to use their higher mind, right? And instead of their their lower mind. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons we actually think as I, AI becomes more prevalent and more useful, it's actually going to be your mindset and your intent that are the most important things. And so, you know, I, I truly believe that meditation will be a more and more powerful and more and more necessary tool to get in touch with, Hey, what is my inner truth? my, You know, intent, what I want to create, what I wanted to bring into this world, so that when you go use the AI tools, you're getting the most impact out of your unique self and your unique lens on the world.
0: Since 1844, yes, I said 1844, Hillsdale College has been providing an education in faith, freedom, and character because they believe that a virtuous citizen is the best defense for liberty. That's why they've taken some of the core classes they teach on campus and made them available for free online for anyone who wants to learn. That's right, for free. The U.S. Constitution, C.S. Lewis, the Book of Genesis, World War II, Plato and Aristotle, free market economics. If any of these sound interesting, And maybe even a bit intimidating, then let Hillsdale College be your guide. Over 3 million people have taken a Hillsdale College online course. There are 39 free courses to choose from. They're easy to follow and they're self paced, so you could start whenever you want. In fact, you could start right now. It's everything you need all in one place with no long-term commitment. Learn when and where you want. Enroll now in Hillsdale's not-for-credit online courses program. It's free, it's fun, and it will change the way you understand our country, the world, and your place in it. Go right now to hillsdale.com dot edu backslash motivated to enroll. There's no cost and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu backslash motivated to register. This kind of irony, well, technology's here and it enabled me to do a lot of different things, but doing a lot of different things does not mean winning or enjoying life. And so we get so busy in doing all of these different things that we lose sight of what truly matters or what our purpose is, what our mission is, what brings us happiness, that it's hard to your experience to step out of that world and actually kind of have this outer body moment to say, man, I really don't like what I'm doing. I'm burnt out. I'm I'm hurt. I don't feel healthy. I don't feel right. And I think overall, AI is going to be a much better thing for our civilization. The other thing is too, this has probably or will probably be one of the biggest moments in human history. You know, the internet was one of them. The cell phone was probably another one of those things. You can go back and say, you know, great pyramids. You can keep on going back and back. We are living in a moment where we are having a breakthrough as a species on this planet rotating around the sun. And I just always so curious like, what is the next 20? What does the next 40 years look like? And I'd love, since you're in the industry spending time in it every single day, there's kind of two parts to this. How do you think AI continues to enhance the world and change over time? Because it's a scratch and sniff sticker. We've we've barely, you know, scratched the surface here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's this aspect of personalization that's really going to get more and more interesting. So in our use case, again, it's it's the one-on-one like meditation and mindset coaching. Everyone kind of deserves but couldn't get for practical reasons, whether it was they couldn't afford a meditation coach it didn't fit within their schedule or maybe they did work with someone, but they worked with them once a week for eight weeks. AI is going to really just, again, 10 X the kind of attention and personalization that you can get. And that will extend across, you know, all industries and all things. It will be true for entertainment. It'll be true for food, diet, fitness, you know, really just getting down to, I no longer have to rely on generic content. It's, content that's for me and my personal needs. And just think about the way that that will impact people's mental health, of course. And then, you know, if if it's on the diet side, their physical health, if it's exercise, you know, all these things where you would have had to hire someone to support you, you should be able to get essentially free. And so the way I think about it is like, this is democratizing access to one-on-one personal care. And that's That's amazing, you know, that's an incredible uh, step of humanity being able to get to this next level. And yeah, the, the power of what that will do to free up people's time, as we said, to do things that are more creative, that are more fun, that are more engaging. If I never had to sit and write emails in front of a computer again, because, you know, I was able to just sort of dictate to my personal assistant that's ai you know and spare myself so my eye strain my my wrists all of that that to me is like a step forward in my own personal happiness and i think that will kind of extend across all kinds of life
0: yeah you know it, something that came to mind is think about uber before uber became what it was having a driver was something reserved for the wealthy Right? nobody had a, a driver yes we had taxis but you could not open up your phone and all of a sudden a car was parked out in front of your hotel or your apartment and then all of a sudden taking off to wherever you wanted to go that you could drive and yet a piece of technology was built to enable that and speaking of ai by the way they either filed a patent or just announced or it was leaked that they're integrating ai so if you have let's say you go on date night with your significant other every Thursday night to a specific restaurant, it will automatically order a car and have it show up at your location because it has identified your pattern. And I think it's things like that. You know, there there's two sides of the coin. So let's be fair to the other side of it. That's like, yes, but then it's kind of pushing us to a place of kind of being brainless where we don't have to engage in all those things. And then the other side that we're talking about, and I think is the the 180 from that is Yeah, but I would argue that those moments are not a good utilization of the human brain, the most advanced piece of technology on this planet. I don't think that is a healthy way to use our brain, and nor is it actually growing our knowledge base at all. If anything, it's taking away from those other moments as we've been talking about. So it's very interesting that we have these shifts, these moments that we continue to accelerate. We look back and we go, wow, that was, that was just kind of the norm. Like there was a movie there's actually two movies, but there was a movie that came out. I don't know what it was early 2000s or something, but They lived in this facility and they were told the whole planet, something horrible had happened to the planet. The air was not conducive to actually go out into the planet. And so they needed to stay within this facility until the Earth got back to a stable environment so that they could walk out of that facility. Now, lo and behold, it was not actually the case. They were being held there. But in the morning, what they do, they'd wake up. They'd drink some water, they'd scan the wristband, they'd go to the bathroom and the toilet and it would tell them everything that they were deficient in, everything that they needed to consume for the day, how much exercise they needed to engage in. And I remember watching this movie and being like, holy shit, imagine if we could do that. And I always talking about my invention book that that I was telling you about as a kid, the toilet really hasn't changed over, I don't know how many years. And I know there are some companies actually now working on this technology, but going to the bathroom in the morning and understanding exactly what you should be taking from a nutrition standpoint and from an exercise standpoint, it's all of these different things that just get me so fired up. Like we're going to look back like we do right now in medieval times or the, you know, great Egyptians or, or whatever, and say, man, that was a really unhealthy way to live. And we're going to look back in 50, 100 years, if you and I are still around, go, wow, that was a really unhealthy way to live back in 2020 or 2023.
1: Yeah, I think that was the island, if I'm recalling yes, it correctly. Yes, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so in terms of how Ogimi wants to leverage you know, in invention and technology, we're gonna integrate with wearables, right? And so if you have an Apple Watch or an Aura or a Whoop or anything else that comes out in the future, that we can start to, you know, use, understand what's going on in you and kind of flag, just like the toilet might flag, hey, today you are your heart rate just spiked. Like what's going on? Are you stressed? And then offer and suggest an intervention, right? And the intervention is probably meditation or breath work or something to, to bring you back to yourself and, and help you move through that issue. So I think that the possibilities are kind of endless. I was deep diving into a wearable that's looking to, instead of continuous glucose monitoring, continuous cortisol monitoring. And cortisol is our stress hormone. And so to be able to flag for someone, hey, your cortisol just spiked, why don't we do just a three-minute breath work exercise to, to bring it back down? Or Why don't you go for a walk? And again, get to understand and learn what works the best for that individual. So this is like having, again, your own AI coach gets to know you, gets to learn what works well for you. And the other cool part about AI to not forget is that it learns from everyone at scale and it never forgets. So if you have a meditation coach, a real meditation coach, they might only be able to interface with a couple hundred students a year. And they probably go to one or two meditation seminars a year to kind of brush up what's to see what's the latest. AI can learn from a million students at scale. It can learn from all the experts and all the the experts in the world simultaneously. And that knowledge never forgets. And it's rolled out across the platform to, to everyone kind of simultaneously. So when you think about this stuff getting better and better and better and better and better. It's because it learns from you know everyone at scale. So I think this to tie it back to the island, you know, that was really a way of saying like individually each person needs something different. Well, the way we figure that out is through kind of repeated use and experimentation, and I think that's what we we're going to be doing with mindset and mental health.
0: Yeah, I I, I love that because I think you know I've had a whoop for years and. I love a lot of these devices, a lot of these wearables, but I think that the challenge around them is that it adds another thing to sift through if you're not intentional about why you're using it and how to use it. And there's still a lot of trial and error, right? You know, oh, maybe I'll adjust the time I go to bed, the time I wake up, the amount of sleep, what I do before bed, or what I do for my morning routine. And, you know, some of them are starting to get to a place where they advise, I know Whoop, for example, advise, hey, based on your your current sleep cycle at 8.30 is the best time to go to bed. But I I still think there's a lot of work to be done for those. And I haven't used Oura Ring, so I can't speak for for that one. But great products, but it's still a big human component to have to sift through the information and understand how did I feel? What do I want to change to actually change that data, right? And To have something in between that to make suggestions in the moment, real time, it kind of goes back to the Uber thing, like that stuff, some personal trainers or having a personal assistant are reserved for those that are making more money. And now we are living in a world where that is a possibility to be accessible for everybody, irrelevant of the class that you're in.
1: Yes, exactly. It's, it's again, democratizing access to the one-on-one attention and care and expertise that really everyone deserves, right, and not just the elite. So I, I, I'm super excited about that. You know, I talked to friends that have had, you know, famous meditation coaches at retreats that, you know, their billionaire boss paid for, right? And it's like, that's that's great. I'm glad that you had that experience. But what if everyone could get that experience, right, access to that true expertise and and I think that AI and healthcare in general, like the even just the last few days of things that I've come across of you know cancer detection using AI that's extremely accurate as compared to even the best experts in the world, right? Or on something that's similar to what we're doing at Ogimi, but it's for journaling where you know, AI can help you write out your thoughts and and draw a little bit more out of you in that process. Just, I, I think the, the possibilities are really endless here of how we can help people.
0: Yeah. The, the longevity standpoint, like longevity has become a, a bigger conversation over the years. A lot of people, actually, I just interviewed a gentleman, David Getz, that is the CEO of Zendrop. And he actually has a longevity lab like, I can't remember his last name. His name's Brian. Uh, he has the blueprint. Brian Johnson. Yes. Thank you. He spends per year on his health and longevity. is basically a walking human experiment and I applaud him for it. But I think that's going to continue to be a bigger piece of the conversation too, is extending the age of humans. And we are going to look back and say, wow, we had humans try to look at this visual rendering or picture of the human body, and the accuracy of that was 78%. But then we gave that to AI, and the accuracy went up to 87% or 92%. And to me, you know, we've all been affected by people that we've lost to things that probably could have been preventable, whether it be a car accident, whether it be cancer, or whether it be some sort of screening that didn't catch these things early on. And I don't think anyone listening or us could argue the power and that longevity piece and early detection piece too.
1: Yeah. I mean, we spend so much of our lives super focused on success or wealth or relationships or all of these things that we go out and pursue and want to achieve, but really health is the core of everything, right? If, if you're not healthy, none of those things matter. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, understand that for our physical health, but not as much for our mental health. And it's still, it's still, that's the root of everything. So if you're sacrificing your mental health for your work, you know, if you're sacrificing your physical health for your work, like I was, you know, the first time I hit, it might run out, something's got to change, you know, and you got to get the help that you need and the support that you need in order to to change that. And yeah, I think people, people get so caught up in right. Understandably. So in those things, the success and the money and everything else, because they're probably afraid, right. Of not having enough or not, not meeting a standard or whatever else. But I definitely encourage people to just say, Hey, am I putting my health first? So I personally have made a couple of commitments that, that I would encourage other people to make. One is I will, I will, automatically order a book no matter what, if it has anything that will do with improving my health and well-being, right? It's such a nominal cost compared to the outsized impact. The other is that I, I've committed to spend with, I'll just say like without hesitation or with less hesitation on anything that is for my health. So whether it's chiropractic care or massage or blood work or a DEXA scan. With that spending first, uh, the the inverse of it is I the way that I kind of curb my spending in other categories. If if it's not health related, I'm allowed to add it to my Amazon shopping cart, but I have to wait a few days before I hit order. And oftentimes I'll come back to it and delete it and say, "This is stupid. I don't need this thing." And all of this, you never you're never certain that it's going to help. But if it's a supplement or something that is intriguing you that you want to try, make that your priority. You know, it's your health. Just Just make it the priority.
0: I love that you said that. I have seven money rules. The number one money rule that I have is that you never question spending money on health or good food. That is things going into your body and knowledge is actually a a third of that too. So I have the similar thing. If it's a book, I really don't give a shit how much it is. I'm ordering it. And if there's guilt attached to something that I'm ordering because it's a materialistic item and I don't initially see the ROI in my life, right? What I'll do is the same thing. I will put it in my cart or I will write down just how much it is. I sit there for 24 hours, not staring at it, but leave it in that platform or on that piece of paper. I come back in the next 24 hours. If I still feel compelled that I need it for whatever reason, I'll order it. And if I don't, I actually take the dollars of that thing, the actual value of that item or service, and I will invest that money or actually put it into the savings. Because if I was gonna be so quick to give that money away to something so frivolous, why wouldn't I be as invested or open to investing in things like my financial future or my mental health? So it makes this automation of decisions right really, really easy. There's a good great book atomic habits by james clear famous book and there's another individual with the money rules that i advise everybody read his book his name is ramit sati and he has a really good book i will teach you to be rich and then he has a podcast too as well and you know i think those decisions make life a lot easier and one other thing i also think that you were saying more people invest in the physical aspect and less the mental aspect You know, there are many reasons, but one that rises to the surface for me is the fact that there's a physical reward out in the world, right? So I look better, I feel better, I'm more confident about myself because I'm more, you know, cut or what what have you, right? And I think where AI can get us from a mental standpoint is it speeds up the process of the return of committing to the mental health side. And because of that, a byproduct is that we experience faster results. And so inevitably, one could say that we might double down and investing in that because now we are seeing a faster return on our input. And- we as human beings need fast return on things because we have now built tech stacks that give us that immediate satisfaction. So I think there's also a play there on speed and maybe people investing more in it because they're seeing faster results, right? As opposed to, well, I got to schedule this thing with a coach once a month, as opposed to, hey, I can just grab my phone and now I'm working on this mental aspect real time at any time I want and it never goes to sleep and it never shuts off. And I can use this all the time. So I, I think there's also a snowball effect in a really positive manner there as well.
1: Yeah, I think so. And obviously a self-serving comment, but like for Ogimi, it's nine ninety nine a month. And you know, the classic comparison is two coffees, right? Are you willing to invest two Starbucks coffees in your mental health to get that daily access that you need? And another point I, I just make is a lot of people say, I don't have time to meditate. And you know, the for us, it's five to 10 minutes. And so we all know that that's not true. You're not making time to meditate. And so, uh, you know, really check in with yourself. Am I willing to give myself five to 10 minutes a day? That's really all it takes to at least get started with this practice. Are you willing to skip scrolling Instagram for five to 10 minutes to give yourself the attention that you deserve? And so just a couple like quick tips on this, come up with triggers, right? So if, if you catch yourself on Instagram, close it and open give me right? It's one thing I do because I, I, my meditation practice is consistent, but something I do is if I catch myself on Instagram, I make myself do 30 push push-ups. right? And it's kind of a, uh, it's it's almost like a win-win, right? Other recommendations are to habit stack. So if you have existing habits that you already do every day, just add your meditation practice to either side of it. And it can be really simple, fun things. Like if you, uh, if you make coffee and use a French press, you can meditate for five minutes while your coffee brews, right? Or if you go to the gym once a day, you can sit in the parking lot in your car and meditate for five to 10 minutes before you start your workout, or it can be on the exercise or like the stretching mat after your workout. So just kind of want to give people a, a few quick tips to have a stack. And then also just don't don't take it too seriously. Give yourself five to ten minutes. It doesn't have to be 20 to 30 minutes a day and get real with yourself. Like, why, if I'm not willing to do that, why? And what hurdles do I need to overcome to, to really give myself that gift?
0: I love those. I love those hacks. Yeah, those are great. David, I appreciate this, man. This this was an awesome conversation. Where can people find you? Where can people find Ogimi and any other things you want to plug before we jump off here?
1: Yeah, cool. So definitely, I'm sure we'll add these to the show notes as well. But Ogimi is just ogimi.ai for the website. So easy and short to remember. From there, you can access the app. It's free to try. So everyone, please just hop in there and try it. And I would love to make the commitment that anyone that hits us up on Twitter, I, I will be the one DMing you. So we want real feedback. We're at this stage where we want to hear from you. We want to hear how it helped you. We want to hear how it let you down, so that we can make it better. So please reach out. And Scott, you and I also talked about. It. I'd love to offer the listeners a discount on the actual paid version of the plan, so the paid version will let you kind of do unlimited use, unlimited features. And so we can put this in the show notes as well. But all caps, motivated mind fifty for fifty percent off the first three months of the Pro plan. And uh, you know, hopefully, this can help someone out there in a time of need, help them, you know, with their focus, their performance or whatever issues they're going through.
0: I love that, man. Thank you. That's super, super generous of you guys. I, I know you're in the early stages. So doing things like that is is a big decision. So, and it's not taken lightly. So I super appreciate that. I think a lot of the audience is going to get a lot of value out of that too. Real quick, was the app actually named after the Ogimi, actually the island off the district off of Japan? Aren't they known for like longevity?
1: Yeah, so Avimi is a blue zone town in Japan where people live the longest in the world. And that's our North Star to help people live longer, happier, healthier lives. And so if we can do that, we know that we've achieved our mission and made the world a better place.
0: Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into awakening the mind with AI with David Gull. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Motivated Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for for listening.